All right, so one thing we like to do sometimes, because there's not very many uh, Sunday schools left in this year, uh, I think there is this week and next week. And that's it for the rest of the year. There's no more, no more Sunday schools because of old-fashioned days and the kids' program and Christmas and all the different things that we're going to have upcoming. So we're going to do a couple of short things. We like to talk about Christmas because Christmas is great. And one thing I like to do um, is go over some songs. Pick a song because you all know Christmas songs, right? And you might even sort of mouth part of the words, but you probably know the tune better. And if you really look at, and even if you do know the words, like often I know them, but sometimes you gotta really think about what they say. Put this in your mind, and it makes your experience a little deeper and a little richer when you decide you are going to learn about one of these things. So I picked one of my favorites, because I can, and <laughs> I picked one that was begun by an author, written by an author, around 150, 150, 200 years ago, not quite. Um, he was sitting outside of the hills of Bethlehem. And this is where tradition says that he wrote the song. So I want to kind of give you a picture of what this is. This song, uh, A Little Town of Bethlehem, is much about understanding kind of the way it is in Bethlehem. So Bethlehem is a little dotted town. Okay. That's the town. Is that nice? Yeah. <laughs> and around it are all these, these hillsides, kind of gentle sloping hillsides. The reason that Bethlehem was popular was because of King David, okay? And that was his city, they called it, right? And that's why they call, there's a song called Once in Royal David City, City of Bethlehem, all right? Essentially, essentially, all around the outside of this city, in the mountains, in the, in the hills alongside, it was all shepherds. That's what they did. It was good grazing land. And so a little town developed in a pocket, probably not much different in size than, I don't know, like a, like a gas port kind of thing, or, okay? It's not big, it's not big. It's just sort of a little town, maybe a middle port, something like that. Maybe a few hundred, maybe a few thousand people, but not thousands and thousands and thousands, all right? So imagine yourself, this man, sitting up on the hills, and he was outside on the hills looking over as evening fell on this city, the city of Bethlehem. Now, the time is 1850s, 1870s, something like that. What kind of lighting do they have in the city? Candles. Fire. Candles, fire, and... 
the sun, okay, and at night the sun goes away, right? So at maybe a torch or something like that, they might have oil lamps, okay? But how bright are oil lamps and candles? Well, if it's dark, they're good, right? They're better than the dark, right? <laughs> but they're nothing like one of our flashlights today, or they're nothing like our overhead lights that we have, electric. So as time goes on, the city gets darker and darker, and I'm sure he sees a few little spots of lights in the windows where people are there, and eventually as he watches, most of it kind of, all of them extinguish, because you don't leave the candles burning when you go to bed, because burn the house down, right? So uh, if you don't know that, that's good to know. Don't do that, okay? <laughs> Happen to be burning candles. Don't go to sleep while you're burning candles. So he's watching out there and he looks across there and it's quiet and it's silent. This is one thing that I like about this song. It paints this picture of this silent little town as it goes to sleep, as it's dark. And he imagines himself back 2,000 years before the night that Christ was born. Now, I spend time out in the woods lately, and I've been outside where if I'm hunting, I'm looking for it to be as quiet as I can. I don't go out there with noisemakers. Okay, I'm not looking for that. I'm not bringing whistles or bringing music with me or anything to be out in the woods because my goal is to be as quiet as possible. And on the right conditions, you sit in the silence. A lot of times in the dark, I will get out there in the dark and sit there in the dark. You can hear one tiny leaf go, just like that. It's that quiet out there one tiny little footstep somewhere, one bird land on a branch. You can hear the flap of the bird's wings oftentimes as you go by. Just the fluttering of things. I've, I've heard ducks flying overhead in small groups and that's all you can hear is the air under their wings. Makes kind of a whistling sound. All right. When you are quiet, you begin to see and hear things that you never saw or heard before. So the other day, I was out early in the morning and I sat there for some time and I sat silently. And a lot of times the wildlife will come around you, the birds and things like that. But this morning, I had a Cooper's hawk come and land near me. Probably not even as far as in that room from me, all right? And he landed in a tree 20 feet from me or so and just stared at me. Now, Cooper's hawk is about this big, okay? And he spread his tail when he was in there. He was spreading his tail and you can see black bars of feathers all the way down, like stripes down his tail, his head, real small head and flat. He flies nearly silently through the woods, all right? And he came and he sat there. Now, if I wasn't quiet and as still as I could possibly be, I would not have seen him. Now, hawks are known for their amazing vision. 
they often can see things thousands of feet away and see little teeny tiny things flying way up in the air they can see a mouse run across and go with perfect accuracy and kill it so they have amazing vision one of the best vision of animals out there so as I'm sitting there I'm thinking he'll see me move anything any my finger he'll see me move so I'm trying to sit as still as I can uh, which gets pretty hard I'm trying to be as silent as I can and after about four or five minutes sitting on that branch he flies up and he goes over and he moves closer to me sits in another tree and another couple of minutes he flies up I'm like well he's gone now he must have seen you move and he goes and he flies on this side of me flying all around me sat on a branch he probably totally sat for almost 10 minutes now if I wasn't silent and quiet I never would have had that experience to get that close to a Cooper's Hawk you might see one fly by somewhere quick but to sit and watch and stare at him and see how he reacts he started to make a call which I'd never heard before it's not a chirp and it's not a tweet and it's not a scream like some hawks make it is just this unique kind of sound that he gerbled out this kind of weird sound that he gerbled out and I would never have seen it or understood what it was I've heard that sound before but I couldn't identify what it is because now I could see his mouth move and watch him do it but until you're out there and quiet and silent you don't get to see those things and that's what's true about this song. That's one thing I really like and enjoy. And we have a lot of hype. We like to dress up for Christmas, do big Christmas trees and lights and all those things. But one of my favorite parts of Christmas is if I get to spend a little bit of time thinking in a quiet place, thinking about Christ and what he did. So this song, as we go into this song, I will explain a little bit about what this means and we'll go through it. All right. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. This is the funny thing about Christmas night. As this man sat up on the hill and looked down in there, all the lights went dark. He imagined himself that 2,000 years ago and said, the very same thing happened. That little town got dark, but one baby was born that night. And whether he was born in the middle of the night or born in the daytime, really it seems like he was born sometime when the angels came, just before the angels came out in the darkness. All right, so either way, the, the town went dark and there was something in there and that little town, that little insignificant town, all of a sudden had meaning 
because there was a light that was shining in that darkness. Not a light you could see without paying close attention. But as the Son of God was born in that, in the streets of that town, now is shining that light. That light that opens up your mind, that opens up your heart, that opens up your understanding. Not necessarily that he glowed, okay, but that there was something bigger happening there. All right? And that's the, in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. When people looked at what they had done in their lives, when people understood that they were sinners, without Jesus Christ, they had no hope. But when Christ came to earth, all of that came in that one little moment, in that one little baby. And so, thinking about what that meant, how significant that was, the light that was shining out in that little town, is a big deal. It's a very big deal. Right? In that darkness, there was a light bright enough to light the whole world for all eternity. He came in and brought hope where there was not. Only for those who hoped in God. But there was something significant about it. They were all sleeping. Everybody in the town was sleeping. All right? So verse number two comes along. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wandering love. O morning stars together proclaim the holy birth and praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. So, in this little silent, sleepy town, as the darkness settles on there, there is the opposite happening in heaven. All this light, all the light with all these angels, they understand what is happening. Like that? That's an angel. <laughs> Times millions. <laughs> All right, times millions. There they are, all these angels. And yet, there is what you would call a veil. All the people down here on earth cannot see it. And all of the inhabitants of, of heaven have this celebration and this understanding as they watch their king come from heaven and be born on earth as this little tiny infant human. And their realization is he gave his life for these people. He's going to do something amazing. He's going to bring peace to an entire world that is at war with God. Why are they at war with God? Because they want to do what they want to do. They want to think about themselves only. 
And God says, no, I'm, I'm going to bring you peace. We're going to reconcile this. We're going to work this out. We're going to find a way that even though you don't deserve it, we're going to find a way to forgive you. All right? And so the angels are like, this is amazing. Think about this. Satan was an angel. Satan fell, did wrong. He had the choice to do right or wrong. He fell and did wrong. And Satan, and God created for Satan a lake of fire. Eternal damnation to him. Punishment. So the angels have seen a fallen race before. Before the humans ever came along. They have seen it and they have seen God do the right thing and punish Satan and take Satan and here, here is what your eternal reward will be. Bad. You will have, you will be in the lake of fire. They saw that. And then they see this next, this human race who not just some of them fell, all of them wrecked it. Every one of them wrecked it. We're weak, insignificant little creatures compared to an angel or nothing, right? And yet God said, I will go down and be born here so these weak, insignificant little people can be forgiven and have a chance to be in heaven. I'm, I'm going to go there. And they won't even know, and most of them won't even care. Now that's love to do that. It is a lot of love to do something when you know that other person is not going to care. That's very difficult to do something for someone when you when they say, "Eh, who cares?" Right? But that's what God did for us. He came down to earth. And so the angels are up there and they're watching, it says, in wondering love and saying, this is incredible. What he's doing is incredible. Don't they know these stupid humans? Don't they know anything? And so the only people that are up, and I don't think God let them do anything else except this. There's a couple of shepherds that are up on the hill. Now we don't know if there's two or 25 of them. We don't know. But they're out on these hills somewhere along, and there's a few of them that are awake. People that have been outcast from society. If you were a shepherd, you were not allowed to be in town. You were not allowed to live with the others. You were really considered a lower part of society. So for them to show this to the shepherds, because God loves everybody, Regardless of your station in life, he doesn't care about whether you're a king or you're a beggar. He doesn't care. He just knows you belong to him. And he died for you. And so they, they're allowed to open up that veil for just a moment. And as they open up that veil, out shines all the light. And these shepherds are scared to death because they see one little time, for a moment, they see one little bit of what's going on in heaven. All right? And how much they care. And they just peace on earth. We're trying to tell you there's peace on earth. God has goodwill towards you. Alright? Peace to men on earth. 
Verse number three in here. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. One of my favorite verses of this song, because there is something very personal about what God did here. That's why God didn't shine open the world and show everybody all at once. Here I am. I'm the Son of God. Come worship me. That's not God's way. He could, and He deserves it, but He wanted every person to decide. And so, what He said is, I'm going to be looking for those who are listening. I'm going to be looking for those who are quiet, who are thinking, who are looking for something better. That's what I'm going to be looking for. And it says, he comes silently into the world. Silently, the baby slips into the world, unnoticed by the world, really, just another baby. All right? But the few that are looking begin to see things, see the light. Mary first, and Joseph then. And then the old man, Simeon, the shepherds, and the old woman, Anna. Little people along in their lives start to see the three wise men as they finally reach the baby. These are people that are seeking. These are people that are looking quietly. All right. So they're looking for something. Now, let's turn over to Isaiah chapter number 32. Because you need to understand from Isaiah, what God is like. Alright, what God is like. Chapter number 32 in the book of Isaiah, after the book of Psalms and Proverbs. Chapter 32, verse number 13, and verse number 14. Isaiah chapter 32, verse number 13 and 14, please. Let's read those. Upon the land of my people shall come up thorns and briars, ye upon all the houses of joys in the joyous city. Because the palaces shall be forsaken, the multitude of the city shall be left, the forts and towers shall be for dens and forever a joy of wild asses a pasture of flocks okay now this is a strange christmas text that i've chosen here what this does is begins with something called a time of thorns and briars anybody ever been stuck in a thorn bush if you ever been outside there's something called the multifloral rose bush. It is the nastiest thorns. And I don't care what you do, they grab and they pull and you try to walk out of it and they just dig in, right? Anybody love thorns? No. Hooray, they're great. 
have bouquets of thorns in your house or anything like that. <laughs> Why not? What's wrong with them? They hurt. they hurt, right? They bring pain. Thorns and briars are those things that bring pain. Right? They're not meant to be pleasant. They are nasty. There will be a time, Isaiah is talking about a time, when thorns and briars will be in the lives of the people of God. That means there'll be hard things to deal with. That's what he's talking about. Where, really, the bad guys will seem to be winning. The people that don't care about God will seem to be the ones on top. Now this thought might seem familiar to you. Okay? As you think about this, there will be a time of thorns and briars. Alright? Now this specifically is talking about uh, a time in Israel when they went through the very same thing where their leadership turned on them and all sorts of things and it was very bitter for the people. You might feel that type of thing in your life. But what was more significant than the thorns and briars are the next few verses, which is how God reacts and what happens with that. So let's go to verse number 15 through 18, please, of chapter 32, book of Isaiah. Until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high, even will this be a faithful, fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted for then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. Okay, before you go on, we will go on with there. He's talking about the wilderness and this field of, of fruit, okay? Or field that is producing food, okay? So right now it seems like the bad guys got the... They're, they're supposed to be doing the bad thing, right? And, but they seem like they have this field of fruit and they get everything and everything sort of produces for them and everything goes well for them. And if you're doing the right thing and following God, it seems like not always do you get that. But you're kind of in the wilderness, scraping what you can to get by. At the time where God's Spirit is poured out, He says He's going to turn that around. And the wilderness becomes the place of great fruit. So, so the people of God begin to see blessings. All right, That's those last two verses, what they just said. Now, continue, please, where we left it off. And the work of And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places. All right. So the Spirit of God comes on people. And this is how the Spirit of God works. When He chooses to work in the hearts of humans... He does not necessarily come at you and you get all crazy and wild, okay, yelling and screaming. You can make joyful noises and do wonderful things. I'm not saying you always have to be quiet on the outside, but what I am saying is God brings a quiet, a rest, a peace inside of you, and an assurance. And that's the way that God works inside of people. When the Spirit comes on you, 
when you accept Christ and you ask for forgiveness, he begins to work and bring you assurance. Now, what does assurance mean? If you have assurance of something. You know that everything's going to be okay. Yep. You, you know, you understand that it's all right. Right? Now, you might say you believe. You might say you have faith. Those are other words that could be used for assurance. But I like that. You know everything's going to be okay. Even though it seems like the thorns and the briars and all of that are really, you know, the world's messed up. You can understand that God working in you brings something different. Something that the world will not understand. Peace, assurance, and quiet. That doesn't mean you can't make noise. It just means that you're at rest. You're not battling in your soul. You're not battling in your heart. You know that God is in control, God is in charge, and he makes it right. right? And so that is the way that Christ works. Now, any of you know the fruits of the Spirit? Okay, there. All right. So, peace, patience, right? Gentleness, self-control, love, joy. Those, those are the things that, that spirit, the Spirit of God brings on us when we have this. So when God says God imparts in the song, back in the song, God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His heaven. That's what the blessings are here on earth. Yes, we see things that we get, but the biggest thing is you get a quiet, an assurance in your heart. God imparts that to you. Imparts means giving. He silently slips into your life if you invite Him. He silently slips in and He changes you from the inside out. There's not a big show. You don't glow now, okay? If God's in you, you don't like, oh, hey, that guy's from God. He's shining now. But inside, you silently change, and God imparts those things into your heart until you do become noticeably different. Why are you so quiet? Why, what makes you so sure everything's going to be okay? I don't know. God just, I trust Him. And that's the imparting to, to the human heart. In the midst of a time when our society is in raging fighting, you don't have to be. You can have silence inside. Assurance quietness, blessings from God. God imparts these things to you, right? So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of it. Just like silently Jesus came into this town, so he comes into your life, right? Silently he does it, and he works and brings you peace and confidence. Personal work he does in you. All right. 
Verse number four in the in the little town of Bethlehem. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend, come down to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. As we pray, come into us. Take the sin, throw it out of our life. Because we're going to struggle with that. We all know that. We're going to struggle with it. So come in and throw that out of our life and change us. Change me. That's what this song is about. Understanding God's work in your life. As he silently slipped into that little town of Bethlehem, so he will silently do these things in your heart and change you. He brought potential to change the whole world in that little baby. And that potential is what he allows to come in you and in me. So we make a choice and we say, come into me, into my heart, and stay here. Abide with me. Stay with me. Live with me. Change me. Silently change me. Work on me because I can't do it. And show me how I can love others. Christmas time is one of the greatest times to do that. Begin to think about others in what you do. So may you take time to have joy and those moments and not miss what God is doing. Just like sitting in the woods in the quiet, you will miss God if you are not quiet enough. Just like I would have missed that hawk missed those things that I get to see if I'm quiet and still and silent, listening for what is coming, paying attention to what God is doing. Same thing in your life. Listen. Be silent. Listen to what God has to say to you. Don't fight it inside. Just say, God, tell me what you have for me. You'll be surprised what He might do what he might say, how he might change you and affect you inside of you. Let this Christmas time give you some silent time, some quiet time, and may you open up your heart to the Lord this season to do something good, to give assurance in this time where there is no other assurance. Trust him and his promises will come true. And Merry Christmas to all of you. Thank you very much.